We're going to be talking about Jesus this morning. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1, and scroll down the page till you find verse 35. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. I have entitled this message, The Authority, Dominion, Power, and Supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I could have went, I could have added more adjectives. I could have made that title longer. I was just trying to pack every good positive attribute I could about the Lord Savior Jesus Christ to to emphasize the point today that God is in control. God is in control. Uh, He is a sovereign God. He is a providential God. As Chad was testifying a moment ago, uh, God never wakes up because God never sleeps. Therefore, God never wakes up and says, Oh goodness, what happened overnight? How am I going to react to this thing that I knew nothing about. God is sovereign. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is everything and more. We can never, ever, ever, as long as we're uh, living in this fleshly body here on planet Earth, we'll never be able to comprehend all that God is, all of who He is, what He's done for us, what He's doing for us every moment of every day. But we can rest assured that Jesus possesses all authority, Jesus possesses all dominion, Jesus possesses all power, and Jesus is supreme to all things everywhere. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we're studying the Gospel of Luke. And last week we was talking about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And with everything taking place around us, there was deaths this week, there were births this week, There was weddings this week, uh, coronavirus, and and all the warnings of that taking place this week, and just many other things going on in life. Many other things going on in life. You wonder sometimes, how do we maintain our sanity? How do we maintain a positive attitude? By knowing that God is on the throne. And knowing that God is in Control. My thoughts this past week have been fixed upon the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. As we look at Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it says, And the angel answered her. This is the dialogue between Gabriel the angel and Mary, the unwed virgin. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Do we understand the magnitude of that verse? Do we understand the magnitude of that verse? The child that you are about to conceive and carry and give birth to, the Holy Spirit is going to cause him to come into being inside your womb. He's going to leave his throne in heaven. He's going to take on a body of flesh. He's going to be conceived in your womb. You're going to carry him. He is going to already begin to fill people with the Holy Spirit like Elizabeth and his cousin John the Baptist. Jesus is filling people from the Holy Spirit as he is an infant in the womb of his mother. He's already holy. Why? Because he's been holy for all of eternity. He's holy today. He'll forever be holy. The the angel said that Jesus will be conceived as the Holy Spirit comes upon you. As the power of the Most High 
overshadows you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. Why? Because he is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we're thankful for another Lord's Day. We're thankful for those that have gathered here in this room today to celebrate the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the returning to heaven of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that He is now seated at Your right hand, making intercession for all of Your children. God, I pray today as we study Your Word, as we hear from Your Word, we already give You thanks and praise, knowing that it will not return void. It will go out and accomplish everything that You've set it out to accomplish today. May it be so. Father, right now, would You give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand and comprehend, and Father, humble our hearts today that we might obey everything that we're taught from Your Word today. And we pray all these things in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said? The last part of that verse says, Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Tell me this, do you believe with all of your heart that from cover to cover, this book, the Bible, tell me this, do you believe from cover to cover that the Bible is abundantly clear that there is one supreme Lord over all of creation. Genesis begins with these words, In the beginning, God. Revelation wraps up, concludes with this statement, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all Amen. This book begins with the Father, it ends with the Son, and everything in between is filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? The best thing I can tell you today is this. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. In Genesis, we're taught that man was given dominion over the earth as representatives of God's reign. But guess what? But guess what? Adam and Eve made a mess of it. Adam and Eve made a mess of it, right? Adam and Eve made a terrible mess out of it. Not just a mess. We're talking about a catastrophic mess. I mean, they made a catastrophic mess that resulted in mankind being subjected to the limited and temporal power of Satan. That's what happened there in the garden. But as we studied last week, as we studied about the Lord Jesus Christ, we studied about His incarnation. His incarnation. And His incarnation dealt a fatal blow to Satan himself. Jesus' incarnation, let me just remind you, Jesus' incarnation means that He left the splendors of heaven, He robed Himself with humanity, He came to earth and became flesh just like you and me. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He went to the cross of Calvary. He shed His blood there. He willingly laid down His life as a ransom so that you and I could be born again and saved and live with Him and our Father for all of eternity. That's the incarnation of God. God became flesh and dwelt among us. 
He lived sinless. He lived perfect. He went to the cross of Calvary, laid down his life, was resurrected on the third day, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father where he has forever been crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. That was the fatal blow to all worldly, satanic powers, principalities, and spiritual wickedness in high places. This morning... This morning, omnipotent God reigns over all of creation. Reigns over all of creation. In short, here's what the Bible teaches about the authority, the dominion, the power, the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power and authority of Satan was dealt a fatal blow by Jesus' incarnation. The cross, the resurrection, the ascension tremendously weakened any power or authority that Satan ever enjoyed, but it didn't annihilate him. That will certainly come later when Christ completes his work of redemption with the consummation of his kingdom. At that point, all things will be brought into captivity to him. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That includes fallen angels, that includes Satan, that includes every human being that has ever lived. They will bow in submission to God's ultimate authority. What I want to do this morning, I want to take a few minutes, I want us to look at the historical, the current And the ongoing effective authority, dominion, power, and supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ over nature, over humanity, over uh, sin, over the forces of evil, over Satan, and over death. In Matthew 28, 18, for my own satisfaction, I could read this one verse and sit down and be totally satisfied. Before we get done, you'll say, I wish you'd have done that. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, Jesus speaks these words. And Jesus came and said to them, say this with me, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now when we read letters in red, who's doing the speaking? Now is it hard to understand a three-letter word? Sometimes it is, but there's no mistaking here. How much authority has Jesus proclaimed he has been given? What does all mean? Yeah, all means all, doesn't it? It means lacking nothing. All authority has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and on planet earth. So, From who did Jesus receive his authority? If he had been given that authority, then who gave Jesus his authority? Well, Jesus' power came from God the Father. Remember I mentioned just a moment ago, the book of Genesis begins by this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John's gospel, Pastor Darrell's been preaching through John's gospel and just doing a phenomenal job. Uh, Let me just put an advertisement in here for our Sunday night services. You're missing out on some awesome, awesome preaching on Sunday night, some wonderful fellowship, some amazing worship. We have a great Sunday night service here. The book of John tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing that was created was created without Him. Who was present with God in creation? We had God the Father, We had God the Son. We had God the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus' power is from God the Father. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Why? Because God was with him. We serve a good God. Can I get an amen? We serve a loving God. We serve a delivering God. We serve a healing God. Now, God's creative power, God's created power is exercised through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, in verse 3, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Everything that exists was made by the Father through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In case you missed it, we're talking about the authority. We're talking about the dominion. We're talking about the power. We're talking about the supremacy of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 6, it says, Yet for us there is what? One God. There is one God. Who is that? The Father. The Father from whom are all things. Get this, folks. Get this. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things. Get that. Get that. From whom are all things and for whom we exist. People struggle in life these days. What's my purpose? Your purpose is to glorify God the Father. That is your purpose. We exist because of Him. All things, because, all things exist because of Him. For whom we exist and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Colossians 1.16 For by Him all things were created. Do you see a common little three-letter word through everything that I'm telling you this morning? All. All. God is all-powerful. God is all in all. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Listen to me. All things were created through Him and for Him. For Him. Now, not today. Not today. We don't have time. But someday soon, I hope to be able to take time to unpack the deep, deep meaning of that verse alone. That verse alone. All things were created through Him and for Him. And for Him. Hebrews 1-2. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things through him also he created the world. Now the next thing I want you to see is this. God's infinite power is given to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when Jesus says all power has been given unto me, all power has been given unto him. John chapter 3 verse 34 and 35 says, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. Verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. John chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. 
So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Why? For the Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son and shows Him all that Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him so that you may marvel. Sometimes that marveling is a positive thing. Sometimes that marveling is a negative thing. Sometimes that marveling is an understood thing. Sometimes marveling at the wonderful, great, and mighty works of God can be a confusing thing, an unclear thing, a disturbing thing. But listen, God is God all in all. John 13, 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Have I convinced you this morning of the authority, the dominion, and the power and the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, a few of you have, a few of you haven't, so let's go on. Listen, Jesus' power has been revealed here on planet Earth. Jesus Christ has power over all of nature. Jesus Christ possesses all power over all of nature. Why? Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Creator is in control of all things at all times. Can I get an amen? Matthew chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. And he said to them, this is Jesus. This is when Jesus loads them in the boat and they began to go across the sea and he's in the bottom of the boat asleep and a great storm breaks out and they wake him up and say, Jesus, come, please, we're perishing. Jesus wipes the sleep from his eyes and he makes his way to the top end of the boat and he says, why are you afraid? And he answers his own question with this next statement. He knows why they are afraid. Why are they afraid? Because they have little faith. They didn't fully comprehend and understand and know beyond knowing that God was not only in charge of what was going on in their individual lives, but, but ever, He was in charge of everything going on in the midst of those disciples. Jesus was in charge of what was taking place inside that boat, outside that boat. The storm, the fish, the tadpoles, the moss, the trees, the grass, the birds, everything on planet earth at every moment of every day, God is in charge of these things. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And guess what happened? Now, be careful how you answer that. Let's do it correctly. It wasn't just a calm. I'm talking about they wasn't a ripple on the water. When Jesus says calm down, guess what? All of creation just takes a deep breath and goes, and it waits till he says move again. That is the authority. Authority. 
That's the dominion. That's the power. That's the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 27 says this, And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Well, we go back to the original scripture that we read, Luke chapter 1, verse 35. He will be holy. Why will he be holy? Because he is the Son of God. Because he's the Son of God. Matthew 14, 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them doing what? Absolutely. Matthew 21, 19. <coughs> and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And guess what happened? The fig tree withered immediately. Not only can he rebuke the wind, not only can he rebuke the sea, he can speak to an unproductive fig tree and say, Fooey on you. And it dries up and dies on the spot. Now to further prove this, look at Mark's Gospel eleven twenty one. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, Jesus, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus Christ has all power over all sickness and over all disease. A lot of questions come into play. When you go to talking about the authority, the dominion, the power, and the supremacy of Christ. And you begin to ask questions. Well, then why, why do catastrophes happen in nature? Why do people get sick and die? In those individual instances, I don't have the answer other than this. It's part of God's plan. And I don't understand God. And I don't understand all of his plans. And I don't understand all of his ways. But folks, listen carefully to me this morning. As sinners before God, we deserve nothing from God. We don't deserve his mercy. We don't deserve his grace. We don't deserve to be healthy. We don't, we don't deserve to have plenty of food to eat. We don't deserve to have shelter. We don't deserve to have adequate clothing. We certainly don't deserve large savings accounts and retirements accounts and big houses and fast cars and the luxuries of life. We deserve none of those things. But because God so loved the world, He has shown us mercy. He has withheld from us what we deserve. What we deserve is judgment, death, and hell. Every person that has ever lived from Adam to us today, we deserve death and hell. Why? We disobeyed him. He had Adam and Eve in the garden, in the perfect garden, where nothing, nothing but good existed. And he was providing everything for them. And they were totally relying upon him. And he gave them one rule. Do not eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you do, you will surely die. They disobeyed God. God is a God of his word. And death came upon them. And from the point that death came upon them, 
we deserve nothing from God but judgment, death, and hell. If we can get that into our beings and into our minds and into the hearts, we deserve nothing. Therefore, if we receive anything besides judgment and death and hell, we are a blessed people. Can I get an amen? It's by the mercy of God. It's by the grace of God. The question is why. The question should not be why do people get sick and die. The question should be why is everyone on the planet not deathly ill fixing to die? Why? Because of the grace and mercy of God. That'll cause you to worship and quit worrying. When you get the proper perspective of who God is and who we are. Matthew chapter 4 verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. That's grace. That's mercy. That's love. Why did he have leprosy? He deserved it. Why do I not have leprosy? That's the question. Why do you not have leprosy? The mercy of God, the grace of God, because he loves us. The question ought not be, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? The question is, why do good things happen to terrible sinners like you and me? That's the question. Why does anything good come to my life? Well, Steve, you're a good fella. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. The only good standing I have is the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's not what I do. That's not what I've done. That was a grace gift from the Father. If there's anything positive about me, if there's anything encouraging about me, if there's anything good about me, don't ever say, go Steve. Say, go Jesus. Give Him praise. Give Him honor. Give Him glory. Because it's not about me and it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. That's good preaching. That's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. Again, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Therefore, He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with Him. Not only does Jesus have power over nature, not only does Jesus have power over sickness, Jesus has power over all human life. I've said it a million times in the past five years here at Hope in Christ. God is a sovereign God. God is in control of all things at all time, and it's all for His honor and His glory. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 5. Remember we talked a couple of weeks ago on Sunday night about John the Baptist. We kind of did a biography of John the Baptist. And uh, as John the Baptist began to decrease and Jesus began to increase, John the Baptist had been arrested and thrown into prison. And after everything that he saw and everything that he had heard, doubt creeped in while he was sitting in that dungeon. And he sent one of his disciples to Jesus and he said, Go ask him, are you, are you really the Christ or should we look for another? 
And here's Jesus' reply to John the Baptist. He said, you tell John the Baptist the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to him. You go tell John the Baptist, I am is here, and I am are doing the works of the Father. You go tell John the Baptist that. Can I get an amen? Now, how does Jesus Christ have power over human life? Because if you're born blind and you receive your sight, that's a gift of God. If you have leprosy and you are cleansed, then God has cleansed you. If you're lame and you're able to walk, if you're deaf and you're able to hear, and if you're dead and you come alive again, my friends, that is the authority, that is the dominion, that is the power, that is the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 9, 18 through 25. While he was saying these things to him, to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose up and followed him with his disciples. But time out. Behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to him, if I only touch his garment. Listen, she says, I know who that is. He has authority. He has dominion. He has power. He is the, he is the supreme being of all the creation. That's Jesus. I don't even need to, I don't even need to touch him. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. She sneaks up behind him. She bends over. She touches the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. And Jesus turned and seeing her said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well trying to convince you folks to believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only for salvation, but for everything else in all of life. Jesus has the dominion. Jesus has the power. Jesus has the authority. Jesus is the supreme Lord Jesus Christ over all things. Can I get an amen? And when Jesus came to the ruler's house, you forgot about that, didn't you? See, the ruler came to Jesus and said, My daughter is dead, but if you'll come see her, she will be made well again. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away. They're in there playing death music. They're not grieving and mourning. Why? She's dead. But guess who knows more than what you know? And guess who knows more than I know? And guess who knew more than these people knew? Jesus knew, didn't he? Why? Say it back to me. Why? Because he has all authority. He has all dominion. He has all power. He is the supremacy. He is Christ. He said, go away for the girl is not dead, just sleeping. And they're like, oh yeah, that's Jesus. We better listen to him. Is that what they did? No, what they do? do? Do we ever laugh at God? When God told Abraham that Sarah was going to conceive a child in her old age, she's in the tent. And the angels are visiting with Abraham. 
And they hear her laughing in disbelief at what God said. Again, do we ever laugh at God? Can I rephrase the question? And it means the same thing. Do we ever doubt God? Same thing. Doubting, laughing, scoffing. Verse 25. But when the crowd had been, hey, they didn't deserve to see this, did they? You laughing at the Son of God? Get on out of here. I got, I've got business of the Father to do. And when the crowd had been put outside, what did Jesus do? He went in. He took her by the hand. There's not a recorded word here. Jesus simply went in and took her by the hand, and up she came. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died did what? Just as Jesus said. I'm glad the word is mirrored right there. Jesus said, come out, and the man who had died came out. Now, the only thing left on him is what people put on him. The people had bound him up. The Lord didn't bind him up. God didn't bind him up because God and Jesus knew he's just taking a nap. Just taking a nap. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. And not only did Jesus have power over all these things, Jesus also has power over human behavior brother steve what do you what do you mean by that well can i just show you can i just show you this is where jesus begins to call his disciples jesus calls his disciples and immediately they left their nets and did what followed him that's the irresistible call of the lord jesus christ when jesus says to lazarus dead in the tomb lazarus come out of there lazarus ain't laying in there thinking well Give me some time to think about this. No. When Jesus says, get up, get up. These men are fishing. This is the way they earn a living. If they don't do this, them and their family, they starve to death. But Jesus happens by in his sovereignty, in his providential uh, calling to them. And when he comes by and says, hey, follow me, immediately, what did they do? They left their nets and they followed him. Matthew 9, 9, and Jesus passed by on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And what did Matthew do? He rose up and followed him, didn't he? Absolutely. Why? Because Jesus Christ has power over human behavior. Boy, I love this one. John chapter 19, verse 10 and 11. Pilate is there with Jesus Christ. He's been arrested. He's been beaten. He's about to be crucified. And Pilate says to him in his arrogant Roman attitude, You will not speak to me? Do you know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Now, what am I trying to teach you folks this morning? Later on in the story, before Jesus goes back to heaven, he reminds us who holds all authority. Who does Pilate think he is? 
got his fancy duds on, got his entourage of soldiers. He's been appointed by the head of Rome. Boy, he's a big, big wheel, ain't he? No, he's a peon in the kingdom of God. That's what he is. Pilate talking to the Son of God. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? I love Jesus' answer. Jesus said to him, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. Jesus also had all power over his own life. John chapter 10, verse 18. He says plainly, No one takes life from me, Jesus said. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Listen to what he says. I have what? I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. I've received this from my Father. Hebrews 7, 16 who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. The entire book of Hebrews is written to the Jewish people explaining to them that the old priesthood under the law has been fulfilled and there's no need of that anymore. And Jesus Christ is now the great high priest on the throne right next to God the Father. And he is representing them in heaven perfectly and not only does jesus have power over human behavior his own life listen to me clearly this morning listen to me clearly this morning i said listen to me clearly this morning jesus christ has power over evil and the evil one himself make no mistake about it Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. And Jesus, what? Full of what? And Jesus being full of, that'll get the job done every time. That right there all by itself, being full of the Holy Spirit, that'll get the job done. Who's full of the Holy Spirit? Jesus. Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan being baptized by John the Baptist and after his baptism, he is immediately led by the Holy Spirit to have a face-to-face -face confrontation with the enemy, the evil one. Led of the Holy Spirit, being full of the Holy Spirit, being one of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God, through the Holy Spirit, is leading His Son to confront the evil one to demonstrate His power over Him. That's what this is all about. Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. We can't last 40 milliseconds of one second. Jesus has been hanging out down there 40 days. You say, oh, but he's Jesus. He didn't get hungry. Did you forget the incarnation part? Did you forget that he left his throne in heaven and came to planet earth and became a human being just like us? Yeah, he's about starved to death. He is hungry. He's very hungry. Have you ever went 40 days in the wilderness without eating? I didn't think so. 
But here's Jesus being tempted of the devil. Luke chapter 4, verse 12. And Jesus answered Satan, It is said. Boy, that right there will get the job done to you. When you're full of the Holy Spirit and you go quoting the Word, guess what will happen? God's will will happen every single time. Every single time. And Jesus answered him, It is said, it is written, You shall not put the Lord... Woo, I like this. You missed it and I didn't. Look what he said to the devil. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Do you know who Satan's God is? Your God. My God. The only God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's when the organ music ought to break out and y'all ought to jump up and do a jig right there on the spot. Did he not just put him in his place? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you can talk to the devil like that and get away with it. I don't, I don't suggest you mess with him. You ain't Jesus. Yeah, you have the Holy Spirit, but we ain't Jesus, okay? Let's let God speak to him on our behalf. Let's do that, okay? He said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended, yeah, that's right, that's right. When, you, when, when, when you're Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, and you look at the devil and you say, You shall not tempt the Lord your God, well, the temptation's over. Can I get an Amen. That puts a stop to it right then and there. And when the devil had ended his temptation, what did he do? He departed from him till an opportune time. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? How do we battle the devil? Say it again, Brother Clayt. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Jesus resisted him and the devil departed do you ever get in a mess? Do you ever get in a fickle with the devil and you want him to get away from you? Here's what you do. Do what the Bible says do. Resist him and he will flee every... Well, we give the devil way too much. We give him way too much support. We give him way too much credit for a lot of things that go on in the world that he has nothing to do with. Every time you get yourself in a mess, it ain't the devil's fault. The devil is not omnipresent, folks. He is a created being, and he can only be in one place at one time. So he says, what about all these demons? How many has he got? Too many, but not enough. Most of the message you get in, and most of the messes I get in, is when I am drawn away into sin by my own lust. You don't need no help of the devil. I don't need no help of the devil getting myself in a mess. I, I do good all by myself. Amen? What about you? As we go on, listen here. So the devil departs. The temptation is over. And Jesus returned in what? The power of the Holy Spirit. He went in full of the Holy Spirit. 
He's full of the Holy Spirit throughout the whole temptation, and now it's over, and he's going back to the synagogue. Guess what he's doing? He's still full of the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went throughout all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues doing what? Being glorified by all. Matthew 16, 23. But when he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Why did he call Peter Satan? Because Peter was acting like Satan. Why? Because he had his mind fixed on the things of the what? Anybody in here ever get distracted by the world? Is that a good place to be? Peter was walking on water one time. Remember that? He got distracted and began to sink. Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. That's the power of God in you. That's the power of God in me. They came back marveling that the demons even feared Jesus when Jesus wasn't even there in bodily form. But they were full of Jesus, weren't they? And in His name, the demons were subject to His name. Matthew eight sixteen. That evening they brought to Him many who were oppressed by demons and He cast out the spirits with a word. It doesn't say words, does it? With a word. I bet that word was something like this. Get. Huh? Get, go. Something long. Yeah, leave. Hey, it just took a word though, didn't it? It just took a word. Matthew chapter 9, verse 32 and 33. And as they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to Jesus. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. Jesus said in John 14, 30, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. Guess what? He has no claim on me. Now, if... The devil doesn't have any claim on Jesus, and we are in Jesus. Hello? Can y'all figure that out? The devil has no claim on Jesus. I'm in Jesus. Are you in Jesus? Say amen. Then he has no claim on you either. We're talking about the authority. We're talking about the dominion. We're talking about the power. We're talking about the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know this morning, we're drawing to a close. We've got 17 more pages. We're about there. Uh, Jesus Christ has power over sin and death. I promise we'll go quickly. Jesus has power over sin and death. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus' crucifixion defeated the power of sin. Do you believe that this morning? that the crucifixion of Jesus Christ defeated the power of sin. John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life 
for his friends. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Can I get an amen? Old Testament book of Isaiah, yet it was, listen closely, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Will you let that sink in for just a minute? We're talking about God the Father crushing God the Son on your behalf. On my behalf. Is that not graphic language? Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. If this don't cause you to worship, you ain't got no worship in you, church. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, whose guilt? Not his, our guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, Make many to be accounted righteous, for he shall bear their iniquities. This is what Jesus did for us, church. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he who was without sin became sin for us, was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. And here's the result in Revelation chapter 9, chapter 5, verse 9. And they, if you're a they, shout amen this morning. And they, the redeemed of the Lord, those, those who were the transgressors, that it was the will of God to crush His Son Jesus and put Him to grief. And they who were born again, those who were saved, those who were filled with the Holy Spirit, the elect, the called, the chosen ones of God, they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus' resurrection defeated the power of death. Now, not only did it defeat the power of sin, Jesus' resurrection defeated the power of death. John 2, 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple in three days, I'll rebuild it. Romans 6, 9, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Why? Because death has no dominion over Him. Why? Because He's the supreme Lord Jesus Christ. John 5, 21, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He 
will, Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. And what is immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Woo! Did you just get that or do you overlook it? Did you hear what he said? What is the immeasurable? Can't measure that. Right? Big. It's bigger than big. It's immeasurable. You get it? As far as the east is from the west, big. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Philippians 3.10 That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. That'll answer a lot of questions for you right there. Jesus himself said, if you're going to reign with me, you're also going to suffer with me. So when suffering comes, don't say, oh my goodness, God, why are you making me suffer? No, when suffering comes, here's what you say. Oh, thank you, God, that it's not worse than it ought to be because I deserve death and hell. Thank you, God, it's no worse than it is. Thank you, God, for showing me mercy. Thank you, God, for showing me grace. Jesus' power over sin and death remains effective until now. Can I get an amen? Go through these scriptures quickly. Hang on tight. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up in the last day. Take that to the bank, deposit it, and write checks on it all day long. That's the words of Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and from death. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. For God has done what the law, weakened by our flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Hebrews 7.25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives and makes intercession for them. On my worst day, he's sitting next to the Father saying, Jesus, he's one of ours, forgive him. Jesus, he's one of ours, protect him. Father, he's one of ours, showing grace, showing mercy. I have a great high priest before God, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Christmas and Thanksgiving included. Thank you very much. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. If you're alive this morning, shout hallelujah. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring us to God. I'm going to God. How about you? How am I getting there? I'm getting there through Jesus Christ. What does he say here? For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Jesus' power remains available in human experience. Jesus' forgiving power 
is effective today. Jesus' forgiving power is effective today. Acts 13, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Pastor Steve, you don't know my life. You don't know all that I've done. You don't know all the sin that I've committed. No, I don't, but he does. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, listen, that whoever, is that what he says? For who believes will never perish, but have everlasting life. And by him, everyone, everyone who believes, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. If you're free this morning, say free. John 20, 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Acts, God exalted him at the right hand as a leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which is, again, innumerable, inexhaustible. Jesus Christ's power is effective today. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure all diseases. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's God speaking through Jesus. God will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you, says the Word of God. Acts 1.8. Now then, slow down and listen closely. Jesus is speaking to his disciples His disciples, after he ascended back to heaven, went about after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the gospel. Many were saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and God dispersed them all over the planet Earth. And the reason you're saved today is because of this verse right here. We've got to learn this, church. You, Jesus doing the speaking here, those who believe, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Get this. And you will become my witnesses. How can you name the name of Christ? How can you claim to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and not be an active witness for him? Jesus is describing Christians here. And he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will witness. Huh? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. How do we do that? Look here, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. The application of everything I'm telling you this morning. Because of his authority, dominion, power, and his supremacy, 
because he went to the cross of Calvary and shed his blood and freely laid down his life and was resurrected on the third day. And because of the proclaiming of the word of truth, the Holy Spirit drew you into a loving relationship with the Father and he forgave you and he filled you with the Holy Spirit and he made you one of his. You are now to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And 1 Corinthians 4 and 6 says this, Now there are varieties of gifts. When the Holy Spirit came, he didn't come empty-handed. He didn't just come to comfort you. He didn't just come to empower you. He brought gifts to make you an effective witness. And we all, diff we all, we all witness in different ways according to the Word of God. Now, there's varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. So the same goal, the same goal, witnessing sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, the same goal. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses through the varieties of gifts that the Holy Spirit brings, varieties of ways of acting out those gifts, but the same Lord. In verse 6, but there's varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. If we're going to be Christians, let's be Christians. If we're going to be Christians, let's realize that we've been freed from the power of sin. And our God, our Savior, has all authority, all dominion, all power. And He is the supreme being of all the universe. And He has called us into His service. He has not called us to make money and build houses and buy farms and buy cars and put money away for a rainy day. For heaven's sake, church, Come alive in the power of Almighty God. Get off of your pews. Get off of your blessed assurance. Get up in the power and demonstration of Almighty God and be who God has called us to be, witnesses of the Most High God. You want to know why the world is eaten up with confusion? Because they don't know God. And now is our time to shine. Now is our time to shine. We're not eating up with fear. Let's use common sense. You've got a cold, please don't come up and sneeze on me in the name of Jesus. Now I believe he can protect me. But I believe he gave you and me some common sense as well. But the world is getting more and more and more dark and dark and dark. And when darkness is present, light shines greatly. We're excuseless. We're excuseless. Here's where the rubber meets the road. His parting words. Moments before he steps on the cloud and ascends back to glory. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Are you in Christ today? Remember earlier? Y'all were all on board about this because it wouldn't you. Let's see where you're at now. 
Remember the flute players and the doubters that were present when the little girl had died? And Jesus comes in and says, I'm Jesus, I'm going to raise her from the dead. And they laugh at him. He probably said, go. Y'all sitting there a while ago, all jammed up and all powered up. Yeah, that's right, Jesus, you tell them, go. And they got to go. Well, now Jesus is talking to you. Now Jesus is talking to you. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to the Lord of lords and the King of kings, our risen Savior. Church, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? By living truth and by declaring truth as the Holy Spirit has equipped you to do. Make that your first priority in life. Quit trying to get ahead in this world. You're dead to this world. The ruler of this world temporarily is Satan. Are you going to serve Satan or are you going to serve Jesus Christ? Are you going to serve the bank account or are you going to, are you going to serve heaven today? Are you going to lay up treasures in heaven or are you just going to keep getting all you can, canning all you can get and sitting on the can? And then whine, and then whine about it when all of life ain't going your way. Somebody ought to say, preach, preacher. I mean, say, ouch, but then say, preach, preacher. I've told you a million times. Somebody, you ought to look at it like, boy, he, he, who made him mad? I ain't mad. I've never been fuller of joy in all of my life. I've never been more excited to stand behind this pulpit and preach than this one. I knew what was coming. God doesn't let me in on it. I knew what was coming. I've been excited all week long about all this. I couldn't wait to get here and deliver you this message. This is who we are. This is our purpose. This is our calling. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Say commanded. What does that mean? Oh, let's, well, I'll tell you what let's do, church. Here's what we ought to do. I served in a church that, that, that thought this way once, and I left. Delivered this to a church in a business meeting. They wanted to vote on it. I left. Y'all can have it. You can have it. Huh? You can have your country club with a steeple on top, ring the bell when you want to. You can go through the motions, count me and Michelle and Chelsea out. We out of here. In the name of Jesus, with a smile on my face. Teaching them to observe all. There's that word again. Y'all forgot about it. There it is. Observe all that I've commanded you. And listen, here's the most comforting words ever been spoke in all of eternity. Listen to what Jesus says. I'm with you. 
You're eating up with fear. Why? Because Jesus is with you. Always. I love my wife. I cannot tell you how much I love my wife, need my wife. Thank God for my wife. And I'm a better man when she's beside me. And she knows what I'm about to say, and she agrees wholeheartedly as I do. If I had to choose between Michelle and Jesus, I'm going Jesus. If Michelle has to choose between Steve and Jesus, she's going Jesus. And when we choose the world and comfort and the worldly ways and serving the little G God of this world or serving the big G God that has all authority and all dominion and all power and is the supreme being of all eternity, who are you going to choose? Now, if you do, this church will be a different church in the next few moments. We won't look the same tonight when we show up here. We won't worship the same when we show up here tonight. We won't live life the same tomorrow if we get this message today. As God's elect, we have much work to do. We are to go in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them by example. Teach them to observe all things that He's commanded us. And above all else, remember the words of Jesus Christ. And behold, I'm with you always. And behold, I'm with you always. Even to the end of this age. Let's pray. God, you dealt with my heart all week long concerning this message. And Father, I've been faithful to deliver it by your power and by your strength. And God, in the same demonstration of power, would you right now convict the hearts of every saved person in this building today, Father. Convict us of our sins. Convict us of being in love with this world and the ways of this world and the attractive things in this world. And Father, right now, help us to rise up in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit of God and help us unitedly cry out in one voice, God, I'm done with the world, the worldly ways, the worldly pleasures. God, I'm yours. Take me, mold me, make me an instrument of your righteousness and help me to be a shining light on a hill of darkness in this world, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ in power and demonstration. For those who may not be saved and aren't born again, whether they're in this room or whether they're watching by Facebook or watching by YouTube or by whatever means,
God, would you right now regenerate their dead heart? Allow the Holy Spirit to place on the inside of them right now faith and repentance through your grace and your mercy. Allow them to believe in their heart and confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Allow them to be saved now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.